you are welcome to the Niger Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Baba Abba. He's a cinematographer, producer, and the general secretary of the Association of Movie Producers. Baba has shot features on short films which include Lost Cafe, Asymmetry of Dubs, and Ujikokoro. We talk about what inspires him working as a director of photography in Nigeria and the work the Association of Movie Producers does. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Baba. You're welcome to Niger Filmmaker. Hey, Sabah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Um, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, so... Uh... <laughs> uh, my name is Baba Abba. I'm a film producer and a cinematographer based in Lagos, Nigeria. Yeah, tell us how you got started in um, the film industry. Uh, so I sort of drifted into it. Um, it started off with photography. Um, and I increasingly moved from still images to moving images. Um, you know, that's like sort of the official, official in the more recent times, but going way back, I always used to play around the cameras, uh, with cameras just shoot mock stuff, like when I was probably seven or eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, just play around the cameras, camcorders in the house, always messing with them. Um, grew up watching National Geographic and History Channel, Discovery Channel, that kind of stuff. So I was was fascinated by sort of that documentary world, wildlife, nature. Yeah. So it's the sort of stuff I used to play on, and you know, on family trips, just record shooting out the window, giving commentary. So I'd say that's probably the earliest start. But then there's like this, I'd say vacuum and nothing happening, even photography, that kind of thing. Yeah. Until later, um, when I was about probably sixteen, I wanted a camera. Not exactly sure why, but I wanted a camera, and then you know, started started off with stills, and then it was a camera I got like uh, I think that that was twenty was eight. I think it was a camera I got like twenty ten that that had a view um a video capability. You know, yeah. it's when DSLR recording video. I mean, DSLR as I started earlier, I think it was five D, no seven D, but then. Um, you know, the, the, it started rolling out in more cameras. So I, I had this camera that had like a video function and I used to record little videos while taking pictures and then it sort of grew from there. So Nice. So what was your like first, like the first um, yeah, introduction to the industry, the first film you worked on? Uh, film... I mean, I did, like, I... That's in Nigeria or generally? Um, um, yeah, generally. Then maybe Nigeria. First film I worked on... It's, okay, okay, let me tell you the first thing I filmed. So I used to, when I was in um, school in England, I used to film... I used to hang around music space quite a lot. So I was in the music industry first before film. So I used to take quite a lot of pictures, just document stuff, documentary-type photos. Yeah. So sort of slipped from there into recording interviews. Um... I had a friend that was doing this um like um web interview series. Yeah. Um she runs Mr. Gab. So we used to interview different musicians, Nigerian musicians when they were in the UK. So you know, um it was just yeah, we interviewed quite a few people, Ice Prince, mm. um R2Bs. Uh, I think we did. Did we do skills? I think yeah, we did skills once when EME came over. Um, yeah, we did quite a few people. So we just used to do that. Then some um, there was a segment that was more studio based, that was just com- commenting up everything. Um, and yeah, so I, I just used to film those basically with my photo camera that had a video function. I used my film lights, like uh, my my photo lights, the the modeling lamps, yeah. light thing. That, that's sort of how I got started. Then from there, I, I worked on um, a Jabota Serenre video, music video. I was a cinematographer on that. And uh, yeah, that was sort of it. After that, I moved back to Nigeria, started NYC, went to film school the first time. Because at this point, it was like I was 
going to graduate and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, increasingly, the months before, like that, my final year, obviously, I've been doing a, a lot more video stuff and it has sort of been playing in my head, oh, film, film, that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I want to go to film school. But I wasn't sure if it was just a thing or a phase or if it's something that I really, really wanted to do. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed watching the series, you know, the normal thing, like everybody else. But I wasn't sure if it's like, do you really want to do this as a profession? So I I basically enrolled for like a intro course just to see if it's something that I might want to do. Yeah. And yeah, I liked it. It was dope. You know, it was great. Recorded some stuff shot some uh, mini stuff this i think there's one still on my video like a mock commercial huh. so i liked it so after that after my NYC, i went to film school and yeah that's sort of when i i just i, I took that step okay and that was um the met film school in london yeah yep okay both, both times we met film school the first time was just okay let me just see what's up Second one, I just went all in, and, and it was fun. It was fun. Okay, so um, what was that um experience like, and what did you discover from your film school experience? Um, film school experience was an interesting one. Um, uh, everybody always asks, um, what? Uh, so there's always this conversation about film school. Film school is it needed or not? So, for me, what film school really gave me. I guess it was what technical university would give you. It gives you time. Yeah. And an opportunity to play around, experiment, learn. And I always tell people it's like if you it's not like when you go, um, it's they're not gonna pack everything in your head and all that stuff. It's sort of like you determine the direction and the pace and whatever you you sort of you you, you determine the outcome, but it just puts you in that environment with the resources, the people. And it's more like you almost make your own path. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it really gave me a chance to sit down and watch a lot of stuff, learn more about film. Like I'd always watch film and and television series, and it's more like just from a consumer's point of view. Yeah. And obviously, as time went on, um, let's say through the years, obviously my eyes sort of got better and improved. Like this before getting to film school. So we've been in film school, I could watch old stuff, I could watch new stuff I never engaged with, read up material, learn about film directors, cinematographers, producers, eras in, in the industry, just basically immerse myself fully in the craft. And um, we, we being the film school, were based um, on a working film studio, um, studio lot, so... The um, Downton Abbey was being shot around the same time. Yeah, on, on that um, in that studio, basically the sound the sound stage right opposite the actual film school building. Yeah, the film school building. The film school was in a second um a section of the buildings on the film lot. Yeah. So you know we we'll come out for lunch and we're walking down like just into town to get something to bite. You like have all the caravans with everybody in costume having their lunch, um, from sets and all that kinds of stuff. You know, uh, we we got we got an opportunity to go on the set while they were uh, pre-rigging it. Um, one of the DP tutors had um one of his uh, camera operators working and some gaffers he worked with um, and riggers working on, on on the production. So so he took us. You know, we saw what they were doing because you know spoke to some of the guys, got some insights. It was quite interesting stuff. So it was sort of that being just being sort of like being in the industry, but then also being not in the industry, but being fully immersed in everything film, you know. Yeah. So our teachers were all people that were working in the industry, you know, so they came in and they weren't like there every single day. It's like somebody might be in like twice or three times a week. Uh, when they're not there, they're off doing other stuff, you know, people that shot commercials for British telecoms, Sky, people, uh, one of our tutors had worked on Maleficent. One of the tutors was first AC on all the Indiana Jones films. Yeah. I had worked with um, Sadot Mantle for 26 years as an AC. Hmm. And at this point, he had also worked as a DP for 24 years after that. So, you know, it was quite old. He had been a former president of the British Society of Cinematographers. Yeah. So he had varying, like, experience levels, people working more in films and commercials, music videos, 
all that stuff. So we're just, you know, you could you could soak up as much as you wanted to. And it just it was just like being in the industry, sort of as much as you could for someone that wasn't in the industry. Okay. So um, you know, you've shot Ojikokoro, Lost Cafe, yeah. A Symmetry of Doves, Brood, and some music videos. Yeah. Um like how has it how has it been, you know, working on these different projects? Um what do you always look forward to when you're going on sets? Um going on sets uh what I look forward to I mean going on set is a tricky one because so let's say first of all you sort of um, get to hear the idea or engage with screenplay. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, before you even get there, let's say like the places you're working with, people you actually want to work with, or you you vibe with on some level, so you're interested in it. You, you get to engage with the screenplay and you imagine this world. Then going on set is sort of that phase where it's like, okay, everything is real now. Like, yeah, <laughs> you have everything done. So it's 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 a scary adaptation. It's a scary one. I mean, the start of every shoot is always one that's like very, uh, you know you if if you listen to people it's like you never get rid of that feeling huh. it's just you worry about everything but once you get going you get going yeah and obviously because you like because of how serious it film is and you know how serious it is and what needs to be done you sort of you you sort of analyze over analyze worry over worry about every single thing before you get upset makes it everything you need is your approach right are you going to be able to pull it off properly all that kinds of stuff blah blah you know sort of self-doubt fear and everything comes rushing in you get what i mean yeah and then you just toss everything aside and do what you need to do um so it's, it's always the same i mean that feeling never really really goes away but obviously it's like if you're doing stuff that doesn't scare you you probably should you should probably, you know probably doing the wrong thing so it's like that um working on those projects is interesting because they've all been different projects different directors different creative teams and um yeah it's 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 exciting you know getting to work on different things i'm not i'm not i get bored easily yeah very very yeah i I, it's difficult to grab my attention yeah um I like what I like and things that I don't like, I'm just not interested in. Hmm. So I don't really shoot a lot of stuff compared to others. Um, so yeah, it's for me, it's always, first of all, people that I can like vibe with, work with, create, like creatively, we are we are on the same wavelength. We, we have sort of similar visions and, and we can forge forward together. Then just material that's exciting that's that that challenges you that pushes you that's a bit different yeah okay so um i mean let's let's talk about um vibing with the director so let me give you a hypothetical situation um a director is not happy with the ideas you're giving him how do you handle that situation Mm, i mean you'd have got to pass that bridge before you even agree to be on the project or be on set yeah yeah so that's i guess it's not really a situation for me i, I wouldn't I, to be on set with somebody you're not vibing with means something has gone wrong somewhere uh, before that yeah because most like you should have talked through most of the things you want to do and yeah you can't talk about every single thing so the thing is that it's not necessarily liking or not liking the idea so let me break it down like this right mm. um you have the screenplay that basically the plan of what you're trying to do. And I always tell people that film, what you're, what you're really trying to do is create an emotional response, take you on an emotional journey. Yeah. So first of all, you and the director, let's say before you are even here one project and this is the right person for it, or this is the right team, it's like you guys need to be on the wavelength of what exactly you're trying to achieve in terms of that journey, that emotional response. and where you're trying to take people yeah where where you might not have opposing opinions or different things come up which yeah they can come up is more how to get there right yeah not necessarily where you're trying to get and most likely you would have gone through a lot of things and scenarios and been on the same page um i've only ever really 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 been in that situation once okay um, 
yeah, it's to be honest, it's a project I probably wouldn't have. Would I have done it normally? Sometimes I just I'm just like okay, let me just you know do this for for the fun of doing it or just to see. And yeah, to be retrospectively looking, I knew to some extent what I was work, potentially working into working into. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, there's not much you can do. Directors in charge generally of the film creatively. Yeah. 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 I mean you can you can propose everything you want and suggest stuff. They have to accept or say yes or no. You can talk about it, debate it with them if they're not willing to listen or even engage. And when I mean listen, I don't mean accept what you're saying. Mm. Uh, because most times that's not really the issue. The the thing is we have a scene where like, oh, questions, how do we achieve the scene? Director might have an idea, I might have an idea. You know, you you have to talk about it, explain your idea, what what, why you want to do it like that. And it's like, obviously, if you're on the same wavelength, let me say intellectually, creatively, you're trying to achieve the same thing. You guys will be able to come to a consensus on the thing. And it might be what the director said, that's the best way. It might be what you said. It might be a mix of the two. Hmm. So hence, it's not straightforward, oh, they, they don't like your idea or that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So but if you're, if you're in that situation where the director doesn't want to listen, not be interested in collaborating, then it's a, it's a bit of a nightmare. Um, well, you can do you either stay on the project or you go. <laughs> yeah. So you grind it down and just like yeah, whatever. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, working on film sets in Nigeria, there's always bound to be um, tricky situations and time constraints and budgetary constraints. How do you handle that and not compromise the standard of the work you're doing? Uh. No, okay, so <laughs> with all the constraints and wahala. Okay. Um like I said, the key thing, so you're you're coming into why I probably don't do a lot of things, right? Yeah. You like I said, film is a very difficult and complicated thing because there's so many moving parts. And when when you understand it and what it entails, then you, you sort of give it that respect that that uh, it deserves now what i generally try to do is if i see a lot of issues and problems and there's like things that are not identified uh. by trying to take seriously i just avoid the production um yeah that's usually my own approach to it because there are things that need to be done. You can't you can't skirt around it. You get mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, you, you you have to look at everything, analyze, and then commit to it, or, or say no. I just can't commit to that. You know, if if you commit to a ridiculously tight deadline, then you just have to commit to it and do it. And of course, there are deadlines that are tight, but it's not like it's not achievable or it's not you know, whatever. But then there are some things you just look at and it's like, oh, somebody's calling you three weeks to production. Or, or when I, you know, the, the, you're like, when am I going to get to do prep? When am I going to speak to the director? Do everything I need to do to achieve something. Huh. Now, of course, you could show up and ring in a performance, but you know, what's the point in that? Because it, you know, I could just, I, you could take me to set today, and I could figure out a way of lighting it that looks nice, you know, um, in terms of camera angles and the rest. If I don't want to task myself or coverage as people call it i can whip something together that's more jumping just medium wide shots and you know close-ups yeah that you know just go through like a standard template of, of bam 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 and just do something that visually is not says nothing communicates nothing it's not really interesting it's just so you shot it yeah and you look okay you know but then you have to decide do you want to do that or do you want to do something that has meaning and that's where the issue then comes in that's why I, I go back to the beginning. Like creatively, you have to be working with people that you understand level. So the producer, the director, you guys have to be like, it's you need people that are thinking the way you're thinking, that have the same objectives, that have the same ambition. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're um you're a certified Ari Alexa Mini um operator, and you also. You know, work with the Red and Sony systems. How important is it, like knowing the nitty gritty of these camera systems, like really going into what these cameras can do? Like, what benefits, like what advantages do you take away from those? 
um, I mean, it's it's the tools of the craft. You have to you have to know your tools. Like, um, you know, you 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 have your own knowledge in terms of what you're able to. So I okay. Let me, let me restart this. I always tell people that like cinematography is is a weird one. It's one of those weird ones in in the film world. There are a couple roles that are weird like this, but they are both technical. Yeah and creative role then on top of that being a cinematographer is also a managerial role so it's really like those three involved because you're managing the lighting team you're managing the camera team um to achieve whatever you're trying to do right you really have two teams under you most people don't have two teams then it's a technical role in the sense that you need to from a technical point of view, light the set, just like get exposure, make sure the camera is all calibrated and set, shoot, you shot something, right? Yeah. But creatively, you might have shot rubbish. Hence why I said it could just look nice, like, oh, fine picture, as you might hear. Yeah. You know, it's glossy, all those words come to mind. And you've done the coverage and you've shot it like this. Nothing, it's shot, you get what I mean? Yeah. But creatively, You've not done anything. So you might be great technically, but you might not be so great creatively, let's say, on a shoot. With this, we're now saying you have to be all of them. So let's go back. I, the foundation of everything is the creativity, right? It's the idea, the concept is what you're trying to achieve. Huh. So you have ideas of how you want to. So the script, screenplay writes this, that, 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 that. Yeah, it's actions and everything, but really they're trying to convey an emotion, a state, or they're trying to make the audience feel a particular kind of way to advance this narrative or story that's being told. So your question now is, how do I bring this scene or these scenes to life in a way that the audience feels the right things they are meant to feel when they are meant to feel it, yeah. but then to move with the story in this particular way to get to this end point? Because don't forget that the screenplay, like with storytelling, you're telling a story, right? And there's an A, B, C, you know, different points. And you're trying to get them to different points. It's not just to come and tell them, oh, the man had a son, the son died, the man was sad, the end. Yeah. Even if we know what happened, which is not the story, which is just the blurb of it all, right? Yeah. The, the journey itself is the story. So that's why it's not just story, storytelling. It's how you tell that so-called story. And everybody's going to tell it differently. So how you tell the story is that emotional response you take the audience on to get to the end point. And you want them to feel a particular kind of way. Is it sad? Is it happy? Is it this? It could be the same story, but you have different approaches, right? Hmm. So when you're now thinking like this, after you've done the creative, the next step is, okay, how do we now achieve these things that we set out to do creatively? So that's where the answer to your question is. You must have a very, very, very good command of the tools of your craft. If you're a painter, you must have very good command of your colors, your, your, your canvases and all that stuff, whether it's mixing them, how to make them react or do stuff. If you're a musician, it's your musical instrument, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're a cinematographer, it's the camera systems, the lighting systems, the gripping systems, how to achieve stuff. You know, you have to you have to know your stuff in there because you 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 can imagine things, but how do you make them come to life? You you have to know first of all technically how to make them come to life. That in terms of just a theory, then in terms of the equipment or the tools that you have, you have to know how to manipulate those tools to achieve that thing creatively that you've seen and that conforms with maybe those technical requirements that will bring that thing to life. So you know. Is, is, is it too dark? Is it too grainy? What kind of colors are we going to get? I can't achieve this kind of look or feel. How do I manipulate the camera, the lens, the light to achieve this feel that I want? Yeah. You know, so that's why you watch stuff and it's like, you know, you could watch a typical American rom-com, you know, when uh, you have like stuff like a 31st date and all that stuff and it's just there. And then you could go to like your Disney films and they're just there or your high school musicals and they're just there. Then you could go to some really deep art house films. You could go to some other very interesting, what people might call festival films. You know, everything is different. So you watch films and you see some interesting things that happen. And it's like, it wasn't just, oh, record 
the camera walk around. You're hmm. trying to manipulate time and space. So it's not that the audience might notice it, but they feel it. They know that it's something like they just get a response. You know, when you watch when you watch um like snatch or locks up and uh, whatever barrels, you know, yeah. there's a way you feel when you watch it. You don't know how they achieved it, you don't know how they did it, the freeze frames or whatever, or just in terms of oh, is the frame rate jacked, is it slowed down? Is the um you know, is the is the shutter manipulated? You don't know you don't you don't even have a clue that these things exist, but you watch it and the way the image goes just makes you feel a certain kind of way. Sometimes you're feeling nostalgic, sometimes you're so excited, sometimes you're ready to fight, other times you're very sad. Yeah. That all comes from understanding your tools. But you know, the tools are useless if you creatively you're not on that wavelength and then you know you have to creatively be there, but then from a film point of view, in terms of film language, visual language, art language, you also have to be there. So you have to have creative knowledge. You have to have art knowledge. You have to have technical knowledge. You have to have managerial skills. And then you have to be able to actualize all of these things. Yeah, that's, that's an amazing response. Okay, so yeah, let's... Um, let's... Um, Take a break from all the technical stuff. Can you um say yeah. three random f- facts about you that not many people know? Uh okay, well, I mean I love sports. Um I'm starting to do more sports now. I had a sort of big break after university where I was like mad about sports. Like closely obsessed with football. Yeah. Back in the day. What else? Um I have okay, so what I say, what do people not know? The problem is I I think there's a lot of people don't know. So when you say things that people will not know, it's like they don't know most things. <laughs> <laughs> um and I don't know what they find interesting that they don't know. I have okay, so I think I've I've probably shot more stuff than people know or realize. Okay. Also I, I work a lot more than people think. Um, in terms of shooting, so it's always like you know I've done a few music videos out here, but a lot of people have no clue. Yeah, uh, I, I've done quite a lot of short films as well, but a lot of people also don't. They might know one or two, but they don't really know extensively um, the amounts. I think I spend more time, more, more, more time on the producing stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of all the stuff we're developing, so that's probably another thing people don't know. So, you know. They probably think I'm just not doing anything, or I'm, some people think I've retired or anyway uh-huh. because <laughs> shooting features like that. But yeah, um, that's what's been taking most of my time. I'm an Arsenal fan. I think most people know that. I golf. Okay. I don't think, any, I don't think many people know that. Um, I love to travel. I travel quite a bit, so I think a lot of people know that one. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the other things I, I I mean the other things I, I probably can't not that I can't say, but I I would want to say yes as well. But yeah, I mean I don't think I'm interested. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you are. I, 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 I might be I might be interesting, but it's like, you know obviously I love art for me to be here. people probably don't I think people yeah, so people probably do not realize how much i love art okay. yeah i'm i'm so so i studied economics yeah first before everything right so yeah i have that whole business professional blah blah side to me that aids the producing side well the business side of producing mm-hmm. but i'm also like a crazy 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 art lover like crazy more than most so yeah it's, it's probably something people don't realize people that are close to me know but like generally, people might not, you know, realize how much I'm really into the arts. And uh, I already told you before that I started off in music. Yeah. So a lot of people might not have known that. So like I'm a photographer. I think quite a few people know. Well, not well, not so many people outside like that. But people that know me know. And I started off really taking a lot of pictures on the music scene, like back in the day. So, you know, I have David first first flight at Oriental to like. 2011, all those kind of things. Yeah. Collaboration 12. 
you know, have, you know, have deep archives of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in terms of the arts, um, who are your some of your favorite artists? Music, music, yeah, um, film, you know, um, paintings, artworks, all that stuff. Okay. Oh yeah. So another thing about me that people might not realize, I'm a very, very, very big old school head. Like, I resonate more with older stuff than newer stuff. Yeah. Like the music I listen to is like old music, like very, very old. So it's like I go through stuff like that. So like the top song the last year was Silly Games by Janet K. So the song I actually discovered the song. Um I watched Small Acts by Steve McQueen. And one of the films was, you know, so basically it's an anthology um, series that yeah. basically feature films focusing on Afro-Caribbean life huh. in the UK you know 60s to 80s and this particular film about a girl's first um, party or rave or disco thing this yeah. was the song that was really thing and just the vibe everything i really picked and took to the song so i just like played it constantly for like two three months I, I, so for me sometimes it's not as much artists like in terms of oh yeah the artists i like but it's not like oh i just love this artist and i'm obsessed with the artists it might be particular things that artists have done so it's like yeah. albums songs things fashion here art um as far as films, obviously Coppola's works are amazing, Scorsese's works are amazing. Um, I would say probably those two probably resonate more with me as directors. Yeah. Uh, and um, this dude, um, Woody Allen. Yeah. Just if I like, it's just you know, I think I've watched so many things and everything, but their work sort of just very much sticks out at me. Um, and I think. You know, with with funny enough, with Scorsese, yeah, it's older stuff, but it's like the stuff he did between the nineties to the early two thousands is the one that I'll pick. Coppola obviously had the best run in film history in the was it called in the seventies? Yeah, right. So that era had his two eras for me. So he had the whole Manhattan and he had, but then I think Woody Allen in the two thousands was crazy with Match Point, Christina Barcelona. Um, from Rome, from Paris with love, sorry, um, is it from uh, Midnight in Paris? Yeah, from Rome with love, like that run was like impeccable. So like you know, those kind of things stick out to me. Um, um, cinematographers, Gordon Willis, The Prince of Darkness. Yeah, he shot Godfather. He shot Manhattan. I think he shot Annie Hall as well. Um, he shot Apocalypse. No, he did. Did he? But Apocalypse Now was um, Vittorio Storaro, so that's another guy. Into those kind of things. So The Conformist, Apocalypse Now, um, The Last Emperor. I mean, those are heavy, heavy, heavy. I mean, he won Best Cinematographer for, for those, but um, no, for Apocalypse Now, Red and The Last Emperor. But if you watch those two films, you know that it's like, yo, um, Apocalypse Now and The Last Emperor is crazy. The Conformist, The Conformist, amazing, amazing, amazing film. Um, he also shot... This controversial film, Last Tango in Paris. Do you remember the film? Um, yeah, that's with Yellen. Yeah. yeah. Was it? No, 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 no. no. Last Tango it? in Paris was the one that um, this guy basically uh, <laughs> is. Is it better? So they are all Bernardo Bertolucci. So you know he was working with Bertolucci, right? Like from Italy, blah blah blah. So this was the one that had Marlon Brando in Paris with the girl and all that weird stuff. There's a lot of backstory to that film. Should go. It's a bit of a, a weird one. I mean, this is when cinema was cinema. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cafe Society. He shot a couple for Woody Allen, so Cafe Society was quite... I've not seen the other ones he shot for Woody, but Cafe Society was quite, 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 quite something. Um, Roger Deakins is high up there. He's probably one of the biggest influences or inspiration for me from a cinematography point of view. Um, Hoyt Van Hoytema does amazing stuff. Yeah. Everybody talks about Lupin. And the rest, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a breed of cinematographers, I think, from the mid 90s to the, like the late 2010s that just had like an impeccable run. The Mexican Boys, it was just it was just something amazing. There's so many films that I have I, I've seen that came out in that era. It's just like visually, you're like, wow, uh, um, the approach 
telling and, and, and they did what they did is just impeccable. Yeah. Um, I guess I also I'm love with errors as well. Um, you know, art, art, art itself in terms of visual art, I'm less so picky about that. It's more like I see stuff I like and I just, you know, put them. Zaru talks a lot about Caravaggio. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on architecture. Yeah. Um, obviously, um, this guy's worked in Barcelona. What's his name again? Sorry, I, I get, there's many names in my head, so uh-huh. don't get mixed up. Gaudi, um, the work of Houseman in Paris. Um, fashion, all of the things I like, the stuff everybody likes. So the things that, I, like I said, I, I'm crazy about art. I love food. I love culture. I love fashion. I love music. I love film. You know, I love cultural experiences. I love architecture. You know, I love society. So, like, that's why I enjoy traveling. So, like, for me, there are, like, some cities that's just, like, you just soak up, you know, Paris, London, New York, you know, uh, the Italian Ligura. You know, you go to places and you see things, you know, traveling in the, in, like, inner country, like, within Nigeria, like, going on road trips within Africa, like, and uh, all that stuff. So, it's, I... Sometimes I might not necessarily consciously think about who's doing it or what. I just pull references from all over the place. Yeah. And those kind of like experiences, cultural engagements, different things that like really feeds into who I am and my creativity. Yeah. So it's like I could sit down and, you know, some people look at sometimes and like, how do you pack so many things in your head? It's like, I, I have so many interests. Uh-huh. Like, I love sports. I'm crazy about sports. So like, we want to talk about football the whole day and all that stuff. And then we could jump next and it's film and then we could jump and it's music and then it's fashion, it's cities, it's travel, it's food. Like, you know, you have the great chefs, the great culinary experiences, the great culinary cities, yeah, all that kind of stuff, the great cuisines, uh, the great cultures. So it's like, for me, it's just, I, I love life. I love people. So I love culture. You know, like being a cinematographer, you take your time, you do all this research, you take your time, you light these scenes and capture beautiful images. Um, with post-production, does that, um, does that possibility that a lot of the hard work that has been done could be undone? Basically go and murder your work. Yeah. So like, um, do you find that in more, like most cases, you always, you know, try to follow up and, you know, um, you know, try to retain the integrity of what you've done on sets so that it's, um, you know, goes all the way to like the audience seeing seeing what has been done. Yeah, you, you see, in the day and age that we're in, you have to you have to defend your work like more than ever before. Um, it's crazy, but it's what we have to do. Um, you you almost have to bake everything in in a way that it cannot just be scattered. Um, but yeah, so you have to do that. It's just see, post production gives you a world of possibilities and allows you to move things forward. So I mean, okay, let let me go all the way back, right? So I I, I I'm a photographer, so I I don't I stopped I gave up on digital photography about eight years ago. No, is it eight now? Is it nine? Nine years ago. So I'm I basically shoot pretty much exclusively on film for my stills, right? So, it, and I, funny enough, I started doing that a year before I went to like film school proper, like when I sort of, the you know, so it just sort of, it helps me, right? See things, see like, understand like. Yeah. But if you go back to that sort of shooting on film, whether it's for stills or, or for for video moving, moving images, there's a process, right? Yeah. You're going to have, you shoot it, which is you're shooting on a negative, then you have to develop that negative, you know, to get a sort of image. And then you have to transfer that image into a positive, right? So if we did on the film side, it's like you, you shoot it, you're going to have to scan it. After you scan it, you're going to have to transfer it to a positive print, which is not the final thing that's then, um, you know, um, that's then uh, put on the projector and it's projected for everybody to see. So in between the actual negative that you shot, like shooting on set and the positive print that's projected, you have this whole process in the middle, which is post-production. 
where you develop the negative before then they do all the color timing but you know when it got a digital came in they would scan it into a format that was had a color space called Sinian. then they will now do the color correction and all that stuff you know on computer um, on their systems then they will print it to a target like a print that had property that, that was what they were going to project right yeah so all we do now digitally is that we can do those processes quicker we have more latitude to adjust stuff because we're also recording digitally we're capturing a lot of information so we can over, really manipulate stuff and if you go deep 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 into the technicals your sensor is really just recording ones and zeros and it has to try and translate those into images right so you have so many dots on your sensor and basically with the power of how you record it if you, once people start talking about recording raw and other kinds of stuff is that you can reprocess the raw data which is this x ones and zeros yeah to give you almost anything you want and you can change so much more than before which means that basically they could reshoot your film in posts which is dangerous dangerous thing for the for the for the for the artist yeah. very dangerous thing because you have to realize that an artist has done something and there's a reason things have been done it might look dark to you or you might, you know, so it, especially now that a lot of people, so the biggest risk is when they don't want to involve in post-production. Mm. It's happened to me quite a bit. It's also why I don't work as much. If I'm not going to be involved in post-production, I keep that fidelity. I just don't do the project. It's not worth it for me. Yeah. Because they're going to standardize your work. They're going to fuck everything up. Like you said, you know, you're going to shoot stuff. They're going to, because the first thing is that the post-production is finishing the actual work done. Yeah. First of all. So you have to be involved in it. But then the problem is that when they don't involve you, it's not that they even, they can't even do, they can't finish it properly. But then to make it worse, it can get fucked up. Yeah. And it's happening a few times. So that's like the problem. So all the greats, you see them, they tell you, they say like, yeah, the editors go and edit, but when editors don't touch color, huh. I mean, that, you, you have no bloody business with color. When you get into the coloring booth with the colorist, then the DP comes and sits down for like three weeks or two weeks or whatever whatever with the colorist before the director even starts coming in and they start making final adjustments because the DP is the one that knows how everything's supposed to look and what, what the target is. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a crazy one. You can bake in as much as you want. And I mean, people have done it in the past. They cook the film to the point that you can't do anything in post and you're stuck with the image you created. But with digital, that's very, 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 very hard. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you're shooting raw, you're shooting on these cameras, da, 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 da. Somebody can just go and reprocess the image and post. Sad, sad. So yeah. technology is good and bad. You know, it's given us a lot of freedom. There's a lot of flexibility. It's removed all the barriers, but then it's also created a lot of problems. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, you're currently the um, Secretary General of the Association of Movie Producers. Yeah. Um, can you um, tell us like that journey that led you to kind of running for that post? So, okay. So obviously there's the cinematography, um, cinematographer side of me, the producer side of me. People are probably more familiar with the cinematographer side yeah. just because it's like, you know, it's what's out there and I'm put, it's easier when I'm posting screen grabs and the rest, but mm. the producer side is something people are probably not as, um, you know, Aware of like symmetry of does as a producer on that same thing for um Uju Kokoro, uh, um, and a bunch of other things I've done, even like the music videos I do. I'm not just you know, I actually and like weirdly, I'm a cinematographer and director and producer on a lot of them, yeah. Um, also do quite a few commercials, blah blah, all those type of things. So there's a lot of production work that goes. I just don't, I don't post as much on social media to be honest, um, or I should probably do more about journaling my work yeah but yeah so being that i have that side i've always been involved in that side there's there's a lot of things that have always been you know like i've always been in my face and i've always been passionate about i've always talked about i've always like we need to do stuff about as regards the state of the industry the state of um, production producers and things that need to be sorted so it's it's always been there so maybe that's an interesting side that people who don't know yeah. so it's always you, it's always been there um like you know i've always had that side generally about stuff but then obviously because it's what i do i've always had that side so i've been involved with things that have to do with the industry and, and get everything 
together and all that type of stuff going all the way back to 2014. Okay. From trying to bring a few um, film like-minded filmmakers together, calling it the collective, to um, fighting against the ridiculousness that was that, that was included in the Mopicon bill. Yeah. So all that stuff I was part of that to the early early sorry 16 days and what you know they're trying to do to you know the things I've always had to do with the industry bringing people together trying to forge a way forward all that kinds of stuff it's yeah. like literally that like me so when this sort of opportunity came up that we're going to be having elections and you know there might be you know I could possibly run it was something that I really considered seriously. Yeah. Okay, so um, what is the essence of the um, association? Like, what are they there to do? So the, the association is the primary body. Let me, so first of all, the association is the primary convergence of film producers in the country, right? So it's the, it's really where everybody comes together, yeah. which is the first step for everything, right? So let me call it like a sort of like the forum or the, the meeting point of everybody. Now, the basic simple objective of the association is the advancement of the um, the interest and welfare of producers and productions in the country, right? So it's really about making sure that producers, productions, all these things work fine, work properly, everybody's cool, it's moving forward, and it moves forward the right way. Yeah. Now, this can boil down to so many things, you know, be it with, um, okay, for instance, you're going to come and say there are a lot of laws and policies that are not there that producers need, so, oh, you have to do those engagements. You're going to say that there are engagements producers need with distributors, exhibitors, um, commissioners for television stations, content this, content that, you have to do those engagements, right? Yeah. So producers and directors, you have to do those engagements. Producers and actors, you have to do those engagements. Or how what what should the the what should the um, let me say the modus operandi be for producers, productions, how should the, the industry be structured, all those kind of conversations. So obviously the industry is depending on who you listen to, and I and it's a very 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 interesting tough debate but you know obviously we have the film people before all of this everybody says nollywood and it's like oh 1990 something right yeah great fine but really nigerian film motion picture industries going back all the way to the let me say 50s of like indigenous nigerians being actively involved in these kinds of things right yeah so but i guess that sort of forgotten or tossed away so nollywood is a thing that came out of television and now everybody all of a sudden is trying to go back to cinema, but getting the actual roots, which are those guys from the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. But the point is, how should we be doing things that we are supposed to do? Hmm. Yes, the industry is young, even if you go back to the 50s, because Hollywood and the rest and all these industries you're looking at, they were making films in the 1890s, 1900s, right? Yeah. And we have not been making films seriously like that until, like, en masse as an industry, quote unquote, until, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So we're still like 80 years, 70 years behind. Hmm. So how do we structure ourselves, make it more professional, put the right things that we need to put in place to get to the point that all these other industries have been able to scale to? So that's, that, that, that's like the primary thing, like work that now we are doing. Okay. So what are some of um, your activities like? Throughout the whole year. Okay, so the first one is, you know, so we have a lot of engagements with the NFVCB. Yeah. Primarily because producers need to get their films rated so that they can actually distribute it. Huh. And you're probably aware of all the stuff that's been going on with that in terms of people having to be registered, that, that, that. So there's a lot of that. Um, we also deal with disputes between various people and producers. Um, you know, people come say this happened, that happened. We mediate on behalf of everybody on that. Yeah. We've been doing a whole digitization shift, basically to take the association from where it was and bring it fully into the 21st century, digitizing our management systems yeah. for our membership and engagement. So 
the final implementation we've basically done a lot of the back end stuff but we should round that off by the start of this year um okay. we've been engaging um lagos state governments federal governments and the relevant agencies as regards policies that we need for the industry and things that need to um, change so we um, were involved with the public hearing for the copyright bill, for instance, that was like the end of last year. Yeah. There's the um, NFDCB bill as well that's being discussed. That's ongoing. You have the NSC bill that's being discussed. That's ongoing. Um, on the Lagos side, our president is part of the committee for the Lagos Creative Fund. Okay. Uh, we've also been with them on um, ways to ameliorate the difficulties that producers face in the state. We have different state chapters as well. Um, about 20-something. I have to get you the final number. Okay. But we engagements at the state level, and we also jump in. So we are more like the national body, and then you have each state um, having its own um, executives. So it, it most things right now have to do with... It, there's a lot of issues in terms of... Um, complaints mediation between producer actor producer um, investor producer television station yeah you know both um, you know we also have to defend producers a lot in terms of making sure they get the right type of deals conditions and you know it's a, nigeria is the industry at the point at this point is generally like the wild west yeah so it's a lot of that stuff but that's why we're doing all the other backend digitizing stuff so that we roll out more what we'll call cap, um, developmental and capacity building fronts to you know build up producers more. Yeah. So last year we did a few trainings. COVID hasn't really made things easy, but the hope is that with the digitization being done, we can have more virtual sessions, events, talks, seminars in the closed system of the, the actual association itself. We've been having like. Um, some of our more experienced members give what we call lectures, so to speak, or talks, seminars, just explain different aspects of what they do yeah. and different elements. And it's something that we're hoping to share with the wider public going forward this year. So also to have more engagements with like a monthly calendar of things where more people can get involved. Hence why we need sort of that platform where we can engage more people than on a WhatsApp group or on a Zoom call yeah. that's close out. So we're still a lot in the foundational stages. We need to continue to increase our membership, get more people to see the reason why they should be involved, collective bargaining, because at the end of the day, you cannot, everybody complains about all the issues of this, that, that, but if you are not together with one voice in a collective space, pushing a collective agenda, you're never going to achieve these things you want. Yeah. Individuals can, I can go and negotiate a nice deal for me, but what does that do for everybody else? You know, if nobody, and you have to understand this thing, right? Not everybody is going to be as knowledgeable about everything. And not everybody necessarily should be. Yeah. Their primary work is to make films, not necessarily to run all the full gamut of all the possibilities. So that's why everywhere else in the world, these associations do a lot of the heavy lifting for these periphery things. Yeah. And standardize them. So those are like, those are some of the aims we have for this year to really lock and close. We've been having conversations with the other guilds and associations and different organizations, but the aim is to lock down on some of these conversations and have tangibles that we can share with them. Okay. So, like, um, some of these things you do, like the mediation, are they, like, for the general industry or for your members? The, the, the what the things like, we're trying to have down no like if like so for example what um because you guys are you know working for the advancements of productions in nigeria so yeah. i mean there there are cases where you have members and your first um point of duty is to the members so like um like what are some of these perks that the members get that you know um non-members don't get I mean, okay, so for instance, um, if you are not a member and you have issues with NLVCB or any of all these, we cannot intercede for you, but we will not get involved. You know, there are people that have gotten fined. There are people um, that have, you know, had serious issues. 
with you know maybe some issue with their content going out or something and we've had to step in and you know get the nfcb to be more lenient either reduce fines or or, or walk back yeah their actions in terms of um giving because see at the end of the day everybody's trying to allow the business to go forward it's not mm. necessarily just the punitive and just like oh kill this or kill that so okay how can we get a win-win situation those kind of um, things to come in if you have an issue with a producer or something and the producer is not a member we can't do anything yeah if you as a producer have an issue with actors directors or anybody else and you are not a member we can't really do anything for you we like with the stuff we're trying to do with those um, collective bargaining agreements where we've pre-agreed certain things and terms you are, you can use it if you want but like you're not really covered like nobody is going to be the organizations you're going to be dealing with do not necessarily have to apply that to you yeah and you are sort of left to deal with them on your own versus if you're in a collective okay and um how can people join the association so right what we, we, we you can shoot a mail. We've been doing it. Um, we've moved the thing virtual. So the halfway, so part of the digital thing. Literally, um, there's a Google Sheets link. You fill it out. We go through everything. You make your payments and do all the vetting and that's gone through. With the new thing that we're sorting out, the website is going to launch end of this month. Basically, you can just go on the website and apply and do everything from there. Okay. So yeah, because right now you'd have to reach out and send you the link or all that kinds of stuff. But once that is launched, there's a membership page. You go there, depending on the different tiers of membership, you see all the details, you fill out the form there. Yeah. We get all the information on the back. We do all the vetting and everything. You know, you can upload anything that we need you to upload. You know, payment that you need to make, you can make them straight there online. We get everything, your invoice, um, receipts and all those things go those are some of the things we've been having challenges with now like oh so many members how do you generate invoices and receipts and trying to do everything manually so it's like you know <laughs> it's a it's a lot of admin work but yeah. on the other end once that's done it's more automated it's easier for everybody to keep track of there's a more community aspect so yeah so i mean if you want to join just um, you can send an email to secretary at ampng.org.ng and then, um, yeah, just say you want to join, you need the link that, that will shoot it across to you. You do the, do the fill out. But once we're done with the website, hopefully at the end of this month and we've launched it, we're going to be, you go to ampng.org.ng, browse on it, you see the membership tab, click on it, you know, you just apply. Okay, so can I say that email address again? That's amp, that's ampng.org.ng. All right. I mean, maybe this is me just repeating a, a question that you've addressed, but what what do you think is like a top priority that the industry should focus on improving for us to um, solidify, you know, our growth and all that? Uh, the Okay, so everywhere in the world, the television side of the industry is bigger than film. I think in the US, it's 70-something percent on the TV side compared to the film side of the whole industry in terms of monetary value. Yeah. We have to develop our home market and develop allowing as many people as possible to be able to engage with the content and yeah. give us their money. Cinema is great, but it's still very constricted and it's never going to be as widespread as television itself. Yeah. So the digitization the digital switchover is great but the, what's really great about it is the things that it brings that we need to implement that would unlock the whole market yeah the first one is uh i mean the biggest one to be honest is audience measurement which i actually right now nobody can really accurately tell you that ah um you know 5 million people or 10 million people tune into or households tune into watch Ajoche mm. or tune into watch Ajoche every day or yeah. every Friday for this particular show, you know, and your advertising revenue is always based on that because if you're doing, oh, five Naira or five Kobo per view, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I had, this is five Naira and I had like 10 million viewers every Friday. That's 50 million in ads yeah. per ad, for instance, depending on how you do your math. So 
right now it's just a guessing game. The second part is what is they're trying to implement now with um, advertisers paying properly and on time yeah. for ads they because right now they place ads they don't pay they start tossing you around tell you can only pay 20 percent all that kind of bullshit so the the um, content owners and the station owners don't necessarily get their revenues back huh. but most importantly is commissioning for television so we need television stations to start commissioning content not selling airtime yeah and we need the protection of independent producers so that you don't have a situation where everybody's just working for one or two or three companies. Because right now, everybody's producing their own no rights to get no royalties. Nobody's benefiting. That's why everybody's always begging for money when they're sick. Huh. But in a real ideal world, as a creator of these things, you have you own the content or you own equity in the content. So on resales, on subsequent transactions, you constantly make money, make royalty. So when your TV show comes out, it's not that they just own it. It's commissioned for a set period of time or whatever. If they want to keep showing it, they have to keep um, licensing it back from the production companies. Yeah. And the production companies then pay the actors and everybody else royalties. Or if you do sales in other countries, every transaction, every basically every transaction has to do with money. There's a percentage breakdown of how everybody gets paid. Yeah. But right now, when you're work, basically working for the company and they own everything, they just pay you, which is, and they don't even really pay you. They give you a budget to run your own fees in there. After you've done it, you've done it, that's it. So you have people that have done 3,000 um, episodes and they would never get anything from it. Whereas yeah. that's what builds estates abroad. Uh-huh. Where people are passing it on to their families and their kids are able, and families are able to live up for that. So right now, everybody's just hustling based on let's live. But So, you know, that one, content ownership and retention of equity in content audience measurement that comes with the digitization, those two things with the prompt payments of advertising revenues is going to completely blow the whole market open. Yeah. And then digitization, allowing the, the broadcast to get to more people, high-quality broadcast to get to more people and have more channels available. When you combine those things, it, it will proliferate the whole industry. There will be money everywhere. Streaming yeah. and the rest are great, but you trust me, Nigeria is 200 million people, right? If 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 you are if, and like for instance, just to give you an example, if you wanted to put an ad on like NPA now that gets into maybe 98 or 90 something percent of the households in prime time, you know, they want to charge you like 500 or 1 million per ad slots in prime time. Yeah. News, right? On a on a one hour, let me say in the regular 30 minute show, there's at least let me say 10 minutes of ads. Yeah. That's potentially like five to 10 million naira per day per slot, per uh-huh. 30 minute slot. Right? Yeah. If you have an episode every week that's hot, that's potentially 25 to 50 million naira every week in ads. Right? Yeah. Multiply that by 52, that's 2.5 billion or 2.3, something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, that's 2.6 billion. Now, that's potential revenue for the TV network or whoever's selling the ads. When you have that kind of show bringing you 2. something billion in just the first one in adverts alone, this is ignoring what you could resell it for somewhere else. Then you can afford to, to commission and pay properly. Yeah. And so that's where we really need to go to. Okay. So what do you think is the first step in you know like the tv industry moving in that direction is it the measurement of the audience then you know accurate so digitization and measurement of the audience so they said the digital rollout is on we need to keep keep on them make sure that it's done and implemented fully and widely audience measurement even if for the small one that's done we need to make sure that it's done but the key thing first is this conversation about equity and ownership of content because even without the space being fully expanded it unlocks more revenue for everybody allows money to flow yeah. it also allows us to key into foreign markets because all these sales are going on outside we can then start making money from it because right now all the stuff that's being made is still being sold in other countries but the creators benefit nothing from it yeah okay um what would you say is your happiest nollywood moment so far hmm um fair getting into the criterion collection and being distributed in cinemas in the u.s yeah 
That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, as a producer, like, what what are you working on? Uh, <laughs> what can you say? Books that we've licensed, so we're adapting for um to television. Okay. So that's the Coco. Nice. We need to focus on 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 telling. Everybody says it's telling our stories. I, I I don't think it's about telling our stories. I think telling our stories properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um yeah, um how can people keep up with your work? Do you have social media? Yeah, so my Twitter my Twitter so my Twitter Instagram is the same handle is Baba Agba underscore. Uh my website is babaagba.com. Um Facebook, I don't really post I don't really use Facebook to be honest. I have it, but I don't really do much there. YouTube, I don't really post anything. So Twitter, Twitter and Instagram are the two places, like if you want to keep up with me and then my website. Okay. Those, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, you would I don't tweet as much to be honest, but I probably post a bit more on Instagram, but um I retweet a lot. But yeah, Twitter and Instagram follow me, you keep up with what I'm doing, you get to see you know when i'm at festivals when we're having stuff engagement all that stuff i, I tend to sometimes post those kind of things on my instagram yeah and i have conversations now and again i'm also on um clubhouse okay you see me i think the, i don't know if the handles they use i think it's the same i try yeah. to keep the same handle across platforms so i've been getting on clubhouse a bit more recently i might do a bit more there who knows okay all right thanks baba for coming on the podcast no worries. Thank you so much for having me. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one. <laughs>